Good morning, Deep Run family. This morning we will be reading from the English Standard Version. Um, If you're here with us and you need a Bible, you can find one on the table in the back. And if you're joining us online and need one, uh, just reach out to us at our website and we'll find a way to get one to you. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. This is the word of the Lord. We are uh, continuing in the Psalms. We're we're probably going to look at a few more Psalms before we conclude our, um, our study of the Psalms this summer. And here we are, I love this Psalm, Psalm 61, a beautiful short Psalm. And you hear David say, from the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Wherever David was, he was not near home. And he was not near the presence of the Lord which dwelled in the tabernacle in Jerusalem at the center of the nation of Israel. David was somewhere far off and he was distressed and he was discouraged. I remember we, on, one, on more than one occasion, we drove into the Rocky Mountains and we were on a, on a narrow highway that followed the, the winding path of a rapid river. And, and on either side of the highway and the river uh, were these sheer rock walls, I mean, hundreds upon hundreds of feet high, to either side. We were, we were in a deep river gorge as we headed into the Rocky Mountains. And I remember thinking, you know, the, the paranoid husband and father that I am, if, 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 there were, if the river were to ever swell because of some flash flood, we'd have nowhere to go. These are sheer cliff walls on either side of the highway next to the river. Uh, We can't go up and and (laughs) we can't go forward or or in reverse. We'd be trapped in some type of a flash flood. That is is the sense of David's distress in Psalm 61. He was somebody well acquainted with the wilderness, well familiar with uh, desolate places. Now maybe he was in the wilderness and he's recalling that as he writes the psalm, or maybe this is an analogy of the way he was feeling. We don't know, but Psalm 61 is a short, simple, beautiful example of how to pray in distress. Whether you're scared or depressed, or or you feel like you are in the lowest place you have ever been or have been in a long time, in moments of great discouragement, Psalm 61 is a short, great example of how to pray. When we are low and deep in despair, the God who is higher than us can lift us into safety. 
And that's, the, that's how we're gonna look at this today, Psalm 61. When we are low in despair, the God who is higher than we are can lift us up to safety. And today we're gonna talk about waiting on God in those low points. Waiting on God in your low points to lift you up. That's just what we're gonna look at, very simple idea. Waiting upon the Lord from the lows to the highs of our lives. So first, recognizing when you're at a low point is critical for becoming a spiritually discerning person. You've gotta know when you're at your lowest or when you're getting there. You have to be realistic and honest with yourself in your low points. Look at verse two, he says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Right, as in a deep ravine from which somebody cannot climb out of themselves, he's saying, God has to lead me out. Above the coming flood, above your darkest thoughts, above your discouragement. In a sense, verse two is a confession. It's not just a request or a plea, it's a desperate confession. David is saying, I cannot lift myself up to where I am not. I can't do it. God, you gotta get me out of this. I can't get out of it myself. Listen, it is not a failure to admit that. It's not a failure to admit that you are at your low point. Actually, that may very well be discernment. Not failure, discernment for the spiritually aware person. This is the gift of the Psalms. I think the Psalms are the precursor to the blues, right? I am at my lowest point, Things are not going well, but I've got somebody to tell it. Things are really bad, and I know they're bad, but I've got somebody to tell it to. I can say this to a God who is higher than I am. He is like a ledge of rock above rising waters that are surrounding me. If you remember last week with Psalm 60, I said that faith is, the first step of faith is admitting you're needy. Admitting that you have a need and that you cannot climb out of a situation on your own. Alcoholics Anonymous did not invent that idea. The psalmist knew it was true thousands of years ago. The first step of faith, the first step towards change even, is saying you cannot help yourself. Admitting that. And as we grow in wisdom, as we walk with Jesus, that is spiritual discernment. Not to ignore the fact that we're at, we're, we're, that we're at our worst, but to acknowledge it and say, Lord, you gotta help me out here. I can't lift myself out of this. Now, what do you do when that feeling lingers? What do you do when you're, you know that, you know, metaphorically speaking, you're at the bottom of a deep ravine and you cannot get yourself out of it and, and that feeling of despair lengthens, right? The despair continues and you find that there's no quick relief. What do you do? You wait. Simple answer, not very exciting, but you wait. You wait on a God who is higher than you are to lift you up. We have to seek God's help and his presence first in our desolate moments. Seek his help and his presence first before we react and by default do the other types of things that we try and do in those moments. Seek him his help and his presence first. How do we do that? Well, we've been studying it all along this summer. We seek him first through prayer and meditation. 
Every summer, as we look at the Psalms, I try and, try and offer you a slightly different definition of meditation, because that's not a word we use often in our society, and when people do use the word meditate, they think of uh, Eastern religions and, and philosophies. What we mean from a Christian perspective is this. Meditation is reflecting on God's truth and then following it into prayer. The order is important. Meditation is reflecting on God's truth and following that reflection into prayer. I have found scripture memorization uh, uh, to help me better meditate and reflect. If I I commit certain passages, even if they're short, uh, to scripture, that actually helps me meditate because I can't I can't walk around the day with the Bible, right, and, and, or with a scrolling app on the phone. Like, I have to pay attention to people and what I'm doing. But I find that if I've committed something to memory, I, I, can, I can put that verse out and, and, and chew on it at a point where it would be inconvenient to open a Bible or, or open a phone or a computer and, and look at Scripture on an app. Now, I have... I have memorized passages of scripture that had no immediate benefit to me. You ever, right, does that ever happen to you? Right, you, you, you memorize something and then it does nothing for you. Because it's not magic, right? It, so, so I've memorized passages of scripture and, and there was no immediate spiritual benefit to me at all. But months later, sometimes years later, I found myself at the bottom of a ravine, so to speak. And that one scripture spoke to me in the depths. At my lowest point, that scripture memorized years ago, it spoke to me in that moment because I had, I had intellectually processed it and then my heart clung to it, you see. So don't assume that just because scripture memory doesn't do anything for you immediately that God will not use it eventually, okay? So reflecting on God's truth and following it into prayer, and I'll tell you what, Psalm 61 is a great psalm to memorize. Even if you just, just verses one through four. Just look at the first four verses, listen to this. Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. That you can pull out from your mind in an MRI machine, on the subway, right? On the metro before you get off at your stop where you work, in the car when you pull up to that difficult meeting you're about to deal with, when you see that person approaching. You can recite it to yourself quickly in a matter of seconds. 61, one through four, it's a great place to start if you have to learn how to commit certain passages to memory. So think about that. And I actually think that David in verse five, when he says to the Lord, you have given me the heritage of those who fear your name, I think David's meditating right there. He is reflecting on what he already knew was true, on the promises that God had already given to him, David is claiming those promises. He is reflecting on, he is meditating on the truth of God. I want you to think of God's promises in Scripture as footholds in the cliffs 
that you can cling to on your way up to safety. Because you're, while you're waiting, you're not doing nothing. It's not, it's not that waiting is doing nothing. Waiting is not active, waiting is passive. Waiting is trusting. John Calvin wrote this, it is the duty then of believers when oppressed with heaviness and spiritual distress to make only the more strenuous efforts for breaking through these obstacles in their approaches to God. Did you hear that? Calvin said, it is, it is when we are at our lowest that we have to strive even harder to seek the Lord. Some of the passages I've, I've memorized are because of moments where I didn't know what else to do. I, I, all my human resources, all of my tricks, all of my habits, all of my skills and talents and gifts were at a loss. I had nowhere else to turn but to the Word of God. Now, are you wondering, well, I'm a good Reformed Presbyterian, so if I can't lift myself out on my own, why should I be working? Aren't you always preaching at me, Brian, that it's not on my works that I'm saved? Well, yes, but notice that David is asking not to be transported out of the ravine. He's not saying, Lord, beam me up. He's saying, lead me. It's the same word that he used in Psalm 23 when he said that the Lord is my shepherd who leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So although we need the strength and wisdom of our God to lift us out of danger, we have to follow him. The one who asks in faith is willing to follow in faith. So seek God's help and seek his presence first in your desolate moments. A contemporary of John Calvin, but actually not a Protestant, um, a, a Roman Catholic priest, Ignatius of Loyola. So he was one of the six founders of the Jesuit Society. Have you ever heard of the Jesuits? Okay, well, one of their founders was Ignatius of Loyola, a contemporary of Calvin. Ignatius of Loyola taught principles I found to be very helpful um, for, for principles of discernment when you are distressed. For those difficult moments of life where you don't know what to do and you don't know which way to go, principles of discernment. And he actually described two emotional states and he called them a state of desolation and a state of consolation. And what he meant by desolation was like, you're down in the dumps, right? You're the lowest of low, you are very unhappy because of circumstances. Uh, he describes consolation as basically joy, peace, shalom, blessing. A thing, it's not that you're successful, it's just that things are going well. This is a good time for you. you you're just, you're, you're in your stride with the Lord. This is a good time of life. And so he says there are, there are emotional states of desolation and there are emotional states of consolation based on what's happening in our lives. Now here's something interesting. Ignatius of Loyola said that we should refrain from making major life decisions or decisive courses of action while we are in moments of desolation. Why did he say that? Because he says, it is unwise to fully trust yourself. 
Even when you're at your high and you think everything is going great, but especially when you're at your low and nothing is going well. And you find yourself, like David says, your heart is faint and you, are, you feel like you're at the ends of the earth. Especially then, you cannot, you, you need to analyze your emotions and, and, and be honest about your emotions. We're emotional beings, that's a good thing. But you cannot trust in your feeling of desolation especially when you're distressed. Rather, it is at that moment of desolation that you must wait, Loyola said. You must wait upon God until a time of consolation when you can see clearly and make a good decision and move in a certain direction. Now, hold on, because you're wondering, well, hold on, if, if a giant bus is barreling down the street about to hit me, aren't I supposed to jump out of the way? Of course, of course. There are moments of danger where you can't think. You have to act decisively, of course. But if you've just been diagnosed with cancer, you don't sell all your possessions, abandon your family, and move to a mountaintop in Tibet. There are moments when you are not in a position to think clearly. You cannot see clearly. You don't know which end is up. And you need to wait and you need to be patient. And in those moments of waiting, meditation and prayer are what the Psalms give us. And in those moments of waitful meditation and prayer, you must find footholds on the promises of God. And then in time, God will lift you out. He will lead you out of your desolation. You cannot settle for the false response of reacting too quickly. Okay, that reacting too quickly is a false response. Look, we are, we are living in the YouTube age. All right, we are all conditioned now to believe that somewhere out there, if we look, if, if we keep typing in different words and different orders of words, we are going to find a 10-minute video with a solution to our problem. Now that may work if you're trying to change the oil in your car. It may work if you're trying to figure out how to build that IKEA thing that you're, you're just struggling to figure it out. Not everything in this world has a 10 minute video that explains how to get out of the dilemma that you're in. And you miss, we miss in this age, if we are not careful, we will miss the valuable spiritual discipline of waiting for a God who is wiser than we are to act. Our immediate solutions, even our distractions and our hobbies, or our codependencies, depending upon a substance or overly depending upon another person, all of these things delude you into think that you've climbed out on yourself, on your own. And you feel for a second emotionally, you feel like you're doing well again because of some distraction or some immediate quick fix or somebody that makes you feel better, somebody that you've learned to rely on. And now you think, I'm at the top of the ravine. I've made it out. I'm doing fine. It's not true. It's just a panacea for the moment. A quick fix cannot teach you wisdom. A quick fix will not resolve that feeling of desolation. It eventually will come back the water will begin to rise again. So be aware of false res the false response of reacting too quickly when you're at a low point. Here's another thing to avoid, giving up too quickly. 
Some of us react and try and force a solution, and some of us just give up. Have you thought that way? Have you given up? Have you decided, you know, desolation is my lot in life? I'll always be desolate. There's no consolation for me. I'm inconsolable. You can't console me. Hi, I'm Brian, and I'm inconsolable. It's part of my story. I'm inconsolable. Tell me whatever you want. It won't work. Yeah, I know. Yeah, reading scripture, meditation. Yeah, sorry. I'm inconsolable. Maybe you've given up. Maybe you feel God has abandoned you. You know, every former generation in human history and probably half of today's world population understands that suffering is not an exception in life. Will you not trust God to lift you up out of your desolation? Will you not trust on him? Will you not wait for him? Trusting in the one who is forever lifted up is the privilege and hope and joy and foundation of the one who follows Jesus Christ. Look at verse four again. Let me dwell in your tent forever, David says. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. The Old Testament scholar Derek Kidner wrote a wonderful, it's a, if you're ever interested in, in uh, commentaries on different books of the Bible and you want one that isn't technical, that's deep and nourishing but easy to read, the Tyndale series is great. Old Testament, New Testament, Tyndale series of commentaries. Uh, and Derek Kidner wrote one like 50 years ago or so and, and it's very simple to understand, it's very deep, it's very helpful. Derek Kidner looks at the first four verses of the psalm and he noticed the progression of, of how God personally helps us in our lowest moments. There's a progression of thinking using different images of God. Look at verses one through four. He first describes God as his rock. He then describes God as a refuge. Then what? A strong tower. You see how it's getting more and more grandiose. A rock to a refuge, to a strong tower. But then, watch this. He then describes, he says, I, I want to dwell in your tent forever. And then he finally says, I want to take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Rock to refuge to tower, but then, then he takes like a left turn and says tent, and then finally, wings. These images... These images progress from a feeling of protection to hospitality. Do you see that? From protection, which is what we want when we're in distress. But that's not all that God is, you know? He's not just our protection. He's not just mighty to save. He is compassionate to nurture. And David knew him. David had tasted and seen that he was good. And that's why he moves from saying, God is my rock, to I want to be in the shelter of your wings. This is not a distant sage of a God. This is not some impersonal force. The God of the Bible is mighty to save, but also gentle to nurture. He has the strength of a father and the compassion of a mother. And we look at that and we go, how can that, is that true? Is there such a being? When we look at our experience, right, we know people who have put us down at the bottom of that ravine. 
and we say, can there be a being that exists like this with the compassion of a mother and the strength of the father who is mighty to save and yet careful and gentle to nurture? Could this be true? Is there such a person? And the gospel tells us, the good news tells us, yes, there really is such a person. David goes on in verses six and seven to make this interesting request. He says, prolong the life of the king, he's speaking in the third person. But scholars believe he's not just asking this for himself, he's asking this for his descendants, for his messianic line. He's saying, prolong my line, prolong the life of the king, may his years endure to all generations, may he be enthroned forever before God. And you know, we discover, as you know the New Testament, you think about Jesus Christ, that God answered David's prayer fully and finally in the true Messiah, in David's greater son and God's son. God has enthroned the risen Jesus forever as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want you to think about this. If Jesus Christ is enthroned on high forever, then you are always under the shadow of God's wings. This is practical theology now. This is saying that what I believe is put into practice in how I think and the choices that I make, okay? If Jesus is, as Revelation says he is, the King of kings, And Lord of Lords, if God the Father has put Jesus Christ on the throne forever, then that means that you and I are always under the shadow of his wings. No matter what our emotions tell us, no matter where we are in that ravine, low or high, the author of Hebrews said, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us when? In our time of need. In our time of need, we go to a God who sympathizes with our weakness. That maybe is the greatest comfort of all in the darkest, lowest place, knowing that Jesus has walked it, knowing that Jesus was there in the darkest place. And how do you know, how do you know that God will take you from that moment of desolation and lead you into a moment of consolation. How do you know it's true? Whether a month from now or 10 years from now or maybe not in this life, but when you see him face to face, how do you know that consolation will come? Because God the Father lifted Jesus up out of that rocky tomb. Jesus did not stay in the darkness. And you will not stay there either, my friends. There is always coming consolation for the one who trusts in a savior who is higher than she is, who is higher than he is. When we are low in our despair, the God who is higher than we are can lift us into safety. Let him lead you there. Trust, seek his help and seek his presence first in the desolate moments before you go looking for solutions and before you give up, call on the Savior who is higher than you are. 
And as Hannah sang thousands of years ago, you will be able to agree with her, there is no rock like our God. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you that the Psalms speak the blues to us, but offer us true hope. Father, we confess that maybe right now for some of us, or recently, or soon enough, we are at our low point. We are struggling to make good decisions, we are struggling to find hope or encouragement, and it seems like every wave is followed by another one. And it's hard to breathe, it's hard to gain our composure, our footing, and take a breath. Father, be merciful to us. Father, be merciful to my friends. Uh, Help us to trust in the rock who is higher than I. And we praise you for this cornerstone of our faith, the rock that is Jesus Christ. Thank you for raising him from the dead as proof that your consolation is never too far off. And we will ultimately find it. Amen.